the church. Happy Sunday. And to everyone at all of our locations, so here in the room in Newark, I'm glad you're here. And then for all of you who are joining us at our online location, our online JFAM, and wherever you're spread out, maybe around our region or at the beach or on vacation, glad you're here. And then to our Hocasting location at Wilmington Christian School, much love to you. Newark, can you help me show some love to all of our locations? Yeah. We are one church in uh, many different spots, and it's exciting to see what God is doing. We are in week one of a series that we're calling Full Disclosure, so if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we're starting a series this weekend about the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, Uh, but don't leave, you're here now, Uh, it's going to be okay, all right? So I know you may have some thoughts about that book of the Bible, depending on your experience with it, but we're going to jump into that in a few minutes, and you're going to want to be here every week during this series, it's four weeks long. And in just a few minutes, you'll have one week under your belt, and uh, I encourage you to keep coming because every message is going to set the stage for the next one and build, uh, or set the stage for the next one and build on the one before it, and so I want to encourage you, be here every week. And right before we jump into the message, I just want to take a moment and let you know uh, some things that are coming up in the life of our church and some exciting things happening this summer. First of all, Love Week is coming, everybody, so yeah, I'm excited about this. And if you've been a part of our church for a while, you know that we do this every year. It's an opportunity for all of us to roll up our sleeves and serve people in need outside our walls. So we do this all year long, of course. We don't limit it to a week, but there's one week in the year when we all do it together. We'll have over a 1,000 serving opportunities. If you're in one of our J groups uh, this summer, which I hope you are, not too late to get in one if you're not, but if you are, uh, your group leader will get you more information soon. We'll be talking about this in the weeks to come, but... Make sure that you're a part of Love Week. I want everyone in our church to participate in this. And then uh, we're starting another uh, series after that. It'll be our last series of the summer called Clean. So if you've ever taken an honest look at your life and seen a few spots or stains, some stuff you're not proud of maybe in your relationships or your attitude or the way you uh, manage your money or manage your time or the list goes on and on, If you ever had that experience, you're not alone. We all have issues. My pastor always says, if you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. (laughs) So we all have issues, and uh, we're going to take a a hard look at that, but we're going to talk about how we can can come clean and uh, get clean and stay clean and what that looks like without the shame that we're often used to, because I think shame is a counterproductive approach uh, to our lives. So don't miss that series. I'm going to stop right now because I'll start preaching it if I go any further. Uh, but it's starting that first weekend in August, and then Rise Summer Camp is coming. So if you are a middle or high school student, want you to be there. If you're the parent of a middle or high school student, we want to help your student level up spiritually as we close out summer, get ready for fall, and then going back to school in the fall. It's going to be an amazing time, and you have five days left to register. Five, five days I'm talking to students, so you have five minutes left to register, all right? (laughs) So if you are a parent and you've been on the fence, listen to me, please. Very important to me. Uh, It's one of the best things you can do for your students, and we have scholarships available. Don't let finances be a hurdle. We will pay the way for your student, help pay the way for your student if if you need help with that. We have all that available. Just want your students to be at RISE Summer Camp. And then in the middle of all that, as you heard, if you're not serving on the J team yet, you can get plugged in and begin serving here. There's an opportunity to grow your leadership through uh, the evening program of Journey Leadership Institute. So a lot of ways to make the most 
of this summer. Applications are open now for the fall for our evening program uh, for leadership and just a lot of ways to make the most of this summer. But over the next four weeks in this series, we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. And to start off, how many sci-fi or fantasy TV or movie fans are in the house? How many sci-fi, sci-fi people, fantasy people? Just show of hands, all of our locations. If you're if you're online right now, I don't know what kind of emoji you should put a UFO emoji in the chat. I don't know. Just let us know. So you're a Stranger Things fan or a Lord of the Rings fan or the Thing fan, or you're just, you're, you're a fan of things. All right. So how about disaster movies? How many like end of the world movies and shows? Okay. All my doomsday people. Uh, yeah. 2012 Armageddon day after tomorrow. That one's, that's one of my favorites day after tomorrow. Uh, just Love that stuff. How many, how many horror fans? Lift your hand really creepily if you're a horror fan. All of our locations. Yeah, I love you. I don't get you, but I love you. I don't, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't understand it, but uh, got enough trouble sleeping as it is. I don't, I don't need any help, but, but uh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it? We're drawn to that stuff. And the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament of the Bible Whatever your experience with the Bible has been like is, is one of the most unique books uh, that we have. It's, it reads a little like sci-fi, fantasy, end of the world, and horror all combined. And there's supernatural phenomena. There, there are multi-headed beasts. We're going to talk a little bit about that next weekend. Natural disasters. Satan's right there in the middle of that. The personification of evil itself. And it's, it's interesting that whatever we believe about God or the Bible, we're, we are drawn to stuff like that. Co- human culture has always been a little fascinated by or terrified by, or a little bit of both, the, the, the thought that there's more to this world than we can see and understand and, and experience with our five senses. And I think maybe part of that is escapism. So there is a, a sense in which if I can immerse myself in something too weird to believe for an hour or two, uh, then, I, then I don't have to think about how my job is going, you know, or if I'm ready for college this fall, or how my marriage is doing, or my finances, or whatever it may be. Maybe we want to be afraid of something that isn't real sometimes, or that we think isn't real, so we don't have to think about how afraid we are of the very real stuff. Like, my boss is a multi-headed beast, man. I just, like, I need a way to escape from that, so... People laugh nervously because you don't, you're not sure if your boss is here, but it's okay. I felt you. Um, but I, if you don't think that the book of Revelation is talking about things that in, are going to pan out to be real, then you're probably just a little weirded out by it because it is very bizarre in many ways. If you think that, or if you're worried that the book of Revelation could be talking about real events in language that we don't fully understand, but events that will take place in our world, it might scare you. But the question is, as we kick off the series, what if neither of those responses are the ones that God intends? What if he doesn't intend for us to treat Revelation like it's just so weird, it's just so bizarre, maybe a nice way to escape, but that's it. What if he doesn't intend for it to terrify us, to freak us out? What if he has something else in mind? And then one other question that I think might be on some of our minds as we think about this is that Revelation was written 1900 plus years ago, so what relevance could it possibly have? Maybe even right now you're thinking, man, I faced some stuff this week I'm not sure Revelation can help me with. I've got, you know, some issues going on in my relationships or my finances or my emotions or my health, whatever it may be, and I don't, I just don't, I can't connect the dots. So we're going to find out what it really means and what it really means to us during this series. So let's jump in 
Here's how it starts. First chapter of the book of Revelation reads like this. This is a revelation, so that's where we get the title of the book, from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. And this is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard the saying, consider the source? Anybody familiar with that saying? You know, when you hear something from somebody, you probably have someone in your life who are like, well, I wanted to, I was going to believe what they said, but then I just considered the source. You know what I mean? I was like, no, it's probably not true. Well, John wants us to know right out of the gate that the source is solid. This is a revelation. What we're going to read today, what we'll read over the next few weeks, this is a revelation that comes from Jesus. Now, you may not be sure what you believe about Jesus yet, but Christians, people who put their faith in Jesus, we believe that he is leader and Lord, which makes him the most important source of authority in our lives. So being a Christian for us, if you want to use that word, is not just like a cultural thing or, well, my parents were Christians or that's how, you know, I would describe myself, but it means that we have actually yielded, surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. Are we tracking with that? And so this is the ultimate source of authority. And John, the, the writer of Revelation, makes it very clear, hey, I received this from Jesus. John was one of Jesus' 12 original disciples. So if you read the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're often called gospels, which is a word that means good news, and they're biographies of the life of Jesus. John wrote the fourth one, and he was very close to Jesus. Many people believe he was one of the closest disciples. He had this very personal relationship with Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. And so John says, Jesus gave me this revelation and there's an angel involved, which for some of you are like, all right, it's already getting strange. Trust me, it gets stranger. Okay. Just, just trust me on that. Uh, but there's an angel involved. And finally, there's an audience, which if you read the first three chapters of revelation, which I encourage you to do, by the way, whether you believe it yet or not, I would encourage you, just go read this week the first three chapters of Revelation because there are messages to seven churches that, are, that were scattered around what we now know as present-day Turkey, an area of the country, in the Middle East area of the country. Uh, I'm not a, a geographer, so if I didn't get that quite right, bear with me, but not here, okay? And these seven churches were scattered around this, this area of the world, and John writes this revelation originally to them but it's very clear that the wider audience is all of us who are what John calls servants of God. All of us who believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, we are the audience. And even those of us who don't believe in Jesus yet become part of the audience for Revelation. We'll see that later in the series. And then finally, the whole point of this, so there's Jesus who gives the revelation, John who receives it from an angel, there's an audience, which are these seven churches, but ultimately all of us, and then the point of the whole thing is to show us what's coming. This is God's full disclosure. If you've wondered about the end of the world, the end of times, how everything's going to shake out, when our planet reaches its expiration date, what will it be like? This is God's full disclosure. But there's still another question, and that is, why does God want us to know? Like, why did he give us the book of Revelation in the first place? Why give us a book that honestly has a lot of potential for confusion, is very different from other books of the Bible? Why? And it's a great question, and here's the answer. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. That's why we're doing this series. 
I get a... <laughs> I mean, you applaud it. That's good. You know, 30%, at least in, in Newark. I'm, at Hocus, it was 100%, but online they're going crazy. But in this room, 30% of people were like, yeah, we'd like you to be blessed. That'd be good. So over the next four weeks, we're going to read from it, and I'm going to get blessed. But much more importantly... And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So in all seriousness, there is an underlying reason we're doing this series, and that is because there's a blessing attached to it. And God blesses all who listen to the message of Revelation, even the parts we don't understand, and then obey what it says. You say, well, how can I obey it if I don't understand it? Well, there are some parts that are actually very simple to understand. And God blesses those who listen and obey. When my uh, wife Susie was a little girl, a guest speaker came to the church that her family attended. And uh, he, he preached about Revelation and the end of the world. And it was very dramatic. This was during the time, toward the end of the time, when the threat of nuclear attack was still on everyone's mind. So Russia was a big deal, and everybody was like, oh, what if, you know, there's a, a nuclear World War III, and all of that. People were very worried. So at the end of his message, he showed a picture of a mushroom cloud, and then played the sound of a nuclear bomb exploding. And he, he said to everybody, this may be the last sound you hear. And so Susie, just a little girl at the time, five, six years old, you know what she did? She prayed. Like, it worked. I'm telling you, it worked. She prayed. But you know what she prayed for? Might not have been what the speaker intended. She prayed that her family would move to Australia because she was pretty sure nobody would ever bomb Australia. She's like, they got kangaroos. Nobody's bombing Australia. Here's what I want you to know. Week one of the series, when it comes to the book of Revelation, fear is not the point. Fear is not the point. Actually, not the motivation of God in giving us this book of the Bible. Now, we're going to get to some pretty terrifying imagery during this series, but God's motivation in giving us this book of the Bible is not to terrify us, but to bless us. Did you know that's what God wants for you? He wants to bless you. In fact, the very first thing God did after he created Humanity created male and female, and then the very first thing he did, Genesis 1, says he blessed them. Always been his desire for humanity. God's desire has always been to bless us. Jesus said it this way. He said the thief, which is his way of describing the devil, came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give people a rich and satisfying life. God's great desire toward humanity. I don't know what you've heard. I don't know what religion has taught you or told you, but God's great posture toward humanity is to bless us. The one who created us desires our blessing. Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. Not always an easy life, not always a convenient life. I would make the case that if you live an easy life for the rest of your life, it won't be rich and satisfying. 
But he did come to give us a deeply fulfilling life. Can I just tell you, my life is not perfect. In fact, the past 48 hours have not been perfect. But I, by the grace of God, am living a rich and satisfying life. And it's not because of anything good that I've done. It's because Jesus saved me and brought me into relationship with God. That's what makes me blessed. And God desires that for us. You say, well, that sounds good to me. Can I have the blessing part without the listening and obeying part? Oh, no. No, they're connected. Genesis 1, God blessed them, and then he instructed them. And it was very clear the instructions and the blessing were connected. And so God wants to bless us, but we're blessed by God when we listen and obey, which, by the way, is just good parenting. If you are blessing your kids when they don't listen and disobey, you are not a good parent. (laughs) Well, it's quiet in here because you're intimidated by your kids. I get it. I understand. (laughs) Let's keep moving. This is not a parenting series. But clearly, I know we should do one now. All right, let's, (laughs) let's get on to the next verse. So John has a vision. So he sets the stage, tells us, I got this revelation from Jesus. It came to me in a very supernatural way. I've been faithful to write it down. And then he says it was the Lord's Day, which was Sunday. Uh, So early believers, many of the the first believers, in fact, all of the very first believers in Jesus were Jewish. And the Sabbath was their holy day. But as the church began to grow and people came into the church from all different uh, races and ethnicities and religious backgrounds, Sunday was the day of Jesus' resurrection. Now, in our church, at our broadcast location in Newark, we have Saturday night gatherings and I always tell people on Saturday night, you just get started early. That's you. You just start the party early. But it, John said it was on the Lord's day. I'd set this day apart. That's what you're doing right now, all of our locations. You've set this day apart to do what John was doing. I was worshiping in the spirit. My spirit was connecting with God's spirit. And I was experiencing God. And suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. Now I want you to notice When John hears the voice of Jesus, he is in a position to hear it. So he doesn't know what's coming. There's no indication he knew what was about to happen, but he is worshiping. He's placed himself in a position where he can hear, listen, and obey. And for all of us who want to see Jesus more clearly, which if you've trusted your life to him, I hope that's one of your prayers. It's one of my prayers. I want to see Jesus more clearly in my life. And for all of us who would say, yeah, that's my desire, here's my question. Are we putting ourselves in a position for that to happen? Gathering every weekend like this, that's part of that. We come together like this. Why is this a habit in our lives? Because we're getting in the presence of God. We're getting closer to Jesus when we worship, when we hear the teaching of God's word, when we're gathered together with God's people. There's something about it. Say, well, I don't feel it yet. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Because you'll either start to feel it or you'll, you'll go the opposite direction. You won't land in the middle indefinitely. That is also another message for another time. But can I tell you, I've been gathering together with God's people for a long time, for many, many years. And I still come into God's presence every weekend, and there's no place like this, and there's no God like my God, and there are no people like God's people. <laughs> what am I doing? Putting myself in position. 
When we practice a slot and spot, a time on our calendar, and a place we go every day to read the Bible and pray, we're putting ourselves in position, and we don't try to pick and choose the days. John had a habit. This is just what he did, and he was probably in his late 80s or early 90s when he had this revelation, which means he'd had this habit for a long time before an angel showed up. But he just kept putting himself in position. And I want to ask all of us today as we start this series, are we willing over the next few weeks to say, you know what, I want to get more in a position to hear from God in my life. I want to get closer to God this summer. I don't want to draw away from him. I want to get closer to him. God wants to bless us, which means there are some things he needs to reveal to us. He wants to give us full disclosure about his plans for our lives and our position matters. Putting ourselves in a posture to receive that matters. So John writes, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, which was a title Jesus used to describe himself, which emphasized his humanity. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Now, I know some of that may sound very strange. It's a lot of imagery, lampstands and robes and stars and swords, and I get that it's a lot. If you don't know what you believe about Jesus yet, you can take a pass on this next part. But let me speak to all of us who have put our faith in Jesus. Listen, what happened for John can happen for us. We can begin to see Jesus for who he really is. And the book of Revelation can help us with that. You say, well, why do I even need that? Because your Jesus is too small. He's too vague. He's too distant. He's too harmless. You think he's floating on a cloud somewhere playing the harp. And that's actually not all he is. John said, I saw Jesus in a way I had never seen him before. Remember, John walked with Jesus while Jesus was on the earth. He had seen Jesus in the way that everybody else saw him, but he saw Jesus for who he really was, and that can happen for us, and it can transform us when we see the brightness and the glory and the dignity and the authority and the majesty of the Son of God. Some of us need to see him all over again. We just need to see him all over again. And I mean, that was a tremendous golf clap. I feel like I just birdied the third hole. But some of us need to see Jesus, not just as that mild manner, bedtime prayer Jesus, but as King Jesus. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he wants to give us a preview He wants to give us an opportunity that we don't have to wait till the end of our lives or the end of time, that we could have an experience, maybe even during this series, where all of a sudden we see King Jesus rise above what we're worried about. We see King Jesus rise above what we're stressed out about. We see King Jesus rise above the issues that we think are going to take out our world, and we see him for who he is again. He's King Jesus. 
Come on, somebody. He's King Jesus. He's King. He's King. So week one, here's what I want to do, our last few minutes of this first message. I want to, based on that, take a couple of minutes and lay a foundation. Actually, I want to give you five very simple foundations for what we believe as followers of Jesus. And they ultimately help us understand what Revelation is all about. So this first message of the series is really important. And if you're new to faith in Jesus, this is going to help you. Just give you some, some, again, foundations you can build your life on. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, I think this can remind you. So here we go. Number one, we believe that our world has a spiritual side. So what does that mean? It means... It does not mean that we don't believe in natural things, but we believe that natural things have a place in an overall spiritual reality. Now, I know that sometimes Christians take this too far, and uh, maybe you've met a Christian. Like, I went through the drive-thru at McDonald's, and I got my meal, and my fry box was half full. The devil is a liar. <laughs> no. Somebody just didn't fill up your fries. There's a perfectly, or they saw your lab work. And just, I don't know, I, you know. <laughs> so there are perfectly natural things that happen. But we believe that our world has a spiritual side. Now, most people on the planet actually believe this. You don't have to be a Christian to believe this. Most people would say, yeah, I think there's more. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something else out there. But Christians believe our world has a spiritual side because Jesus believed it. Jesus taught on this often. And so we believe it because Jesus believed it and we believe in Jesus, all right? Here's number two. There is one true God. That's what we believe. Now, this is where worldviews begin to separate. Uh, because not everybody believes this. There are people who, who uh, believe that there's a spiritual reality out there, but they don't necessarily believe in, their, in one God. But we believe there is one all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God. Yet you still don't have to be a Christian to believe this. Religious Jewish people believe this. Muslims believe this. There are a lot of people groups on the planet, or a large number of people, rather, in these three kind of major religions, if you want to use that word, that believe in one true God. But we believe in one true God because Jesus did, and we believe in Jesus. You see how it all comes back to Jesus? All right, here's number three. God reveals himself to us. Now, this gets even more specific because some people believe there's a God out there somewhere who created everything, but he isn't directly involved in the world anymore. But Christians believe that God has revealed himself, does reveal himself, and will continue to reveal himself. In fact, we kind of think God can't help it. Like it's part of who he is. That he is a God who is always revealing himself. And he does this in three primary ways. There may be a lot of ways that God reveals himself, but three primary ways over and over again. He does it through his spirit, which is his power and presence that he uses to draw us to him. He does it through his scriptures, which is the word of God, the Bible, and he does it through his son, most important of all, who is Jesus Christ, leader and Lord, the ultimate source of authority. And Christians believe that God reveals himself to people, not just because we decided that was smart, but because Jesus believed it, and we believe in Jesus. And Jesus said the Father draws people to himself. All right, everybody good? Here's number four. 
We believe God's heart is for humanity's salvation. Now, this is really important because not only do we believe that God reveals himself, but we believe his primary reason for revealing himself, revealing himself is to bring people into relationship with him. That God wants to solve the great problem that we have, which is that our sin, everything we've ever thought, said, or done that kept us from God and his best for us became a chasm between us and a perfect God. And God knew we couldn't solve that. He wants to solve that. And so he did by sending his son Jesus. You say, well, I know Christians believe that. Yeah, but you wouldn't know it from some Christians. Or you might get the idea that some Christians believe that only up until the point of their own salvation. And then they think that whatever God wants to do next doesn't have anything to do with all the spiritually lost people around them. Because they wholly huddle. And they argue about stuff that doesn't matter. Because they've forgotten that God's primary reason for revealing himself is humanity's salvation. But when we see Jesus for who he is, and we understand that he came and died and rose again to rescue us from sin, and that once we've been rescued from sin, the reason we remain on this planet is to help more people be rescued from sin. People who really see that get the heartbeat of, heartbeat of God, and we pray like it, and we serve like it, and we invite like it, and we give like it, and we know that what mattered most in our lives before we knew Jesus was us coming to know Jesus, and what matters most in our lives after we've come to know Jesus is that the people we know come to know Jesus. It's a foundation. It's a foundation. And then here's the last one, number five. We believe there is a spiritual battle raging. So we believe the world has a spiritual side. We believe in one true God. We believe that God reveals himself to us. And we believe his main reason for revealing himself is that lost people, spiritually searching people, would be rescued and brought to life in Jesus. So if all of that is true, then why isn't everyone on the planet a follower of Jesus? Why isn't there peace and joy and justice everywhere? Why is there strife? Why is there division? Why is there an erosion of just basic human values in our world? That's what Revelation speaks to. And it's because there's a battle going on that we can't see. And it's not with flesh and blood, ultimately. It's not between political parties. It's not between ideologies, ultimately. It is a spiritual battle. There is a conflict raging between light and darkness, good and evil, the kingdom of our God and the kingdoms of this world. And that's why we pray. And that's what, why we shine like Jesus in this world. That's why we're gonna roll up our sleeves and serve people who are hurting in the name of Jesus in a few weeks. Because there's a spiritual battle raging and this is how we fight. We don't fight with violence, we don't fight with anger, we don't fight with division, we don't use the same thing the world around us used to win their battles, to win ours. We have a God who is mighty, and we go to him in prayer, and we live out our faith in this world. Those are the five foundations. And John, who wrote the book of Revelation, had built his life on those foundations. And when he sees Jesus, here's what he says, last verse, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. 
and I hold the keys of death and the grave. When it comes to revelation, listen, fear is not the point. Fear is not the point. If you know Jesus, you have no reason to be afraid. Now, I, wanna be, I don't want to be presumptuous. If you don't know Jesus, you may have lots of reasons to be afraid. I don't want to put that on you. But if you know Jesus, you have no reason to be afraid. What could your life look like if you really believed that? What if part of the book of Revelation is to shock our system into showing us the worst the world can get and then ending up by saying, but if you have put your faith in Christ, don't be afraid. I mean, what could your life look like if the difficulties of life couldn't terrify you, if the diagnosis couldn't horrify you, if the divorce you didn't ask for couldn't petrify you? What if, what if the very thought of the world ending didn't paralyze you with fear but settled your soul with hope because Christ is my firm foundation? What if? What if you could see Jesus for who he really is? You say, why would anyone not be afraid of the end of the world? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is right there in the middle of it. The brilliant, blazing, glorious Son of God. The first and last. The one who died but is alive now forevermore. The one who holds the keys to death and the grave. Jangling from his fingertips. Is right there in the middle of it. And that Jesus is for us. And he's with us. And when it comes to revelation, fear is not the point. Faith is. Faith is. Faith is. What have you been afraid of? Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's trouble in a relationship. Maybe it's a season of discouragement you're facing. Maybe it's the shame you're carrying around because of a secret sin. Maybe it's an addiction you haven't been able to kick. Maybe it's the economy crashing or the job market or house market imploding or the violence in our world. Maybe you've been afraid to trust. Maybe you've been afraid to go all in with Jesus. Maybe you've been afraid to start a conversation with someone you know about spiritual things. What is it that you've been afraid of? God wants to bless you. And to do that, he wants to reveal himself to you in a new way so that you can listen to his voice and obey And the first instruction to obey in the book of Revelation is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Put your faith in Jesus and don't be afraid. And if you would say week one of the series, you know what, I want to live like that. I want to, man, I want I want that kind of freedom and boldness and hope in my life that no matter what comes, I could live the don't be afraid life. Will you just shoot your hand up here in Newark and Hokesson? Come on, hold it up high, online, right where you are. Shoot that hand up toward heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, we honor you. Our God, Jesus, our King. Jesus, we're, we're sorry that all the distractions of this world have kind of blurred who you are to us. We see you like John saw you right now, strong, 
able to save, powerful, majestic. And Jesus, we ask you right now, come on, make this your prayer. Jesus, would you help me? I believe in you, I trust in you, so would you help me live without fear? In fact, for some of you, as we pray right now, you've, there's been a, almost a, a way to, almost the spirit of fear just on you. It's just it's like a heavy thing that you carry around every day. God wants to give you freedom. I'll make it your prayer. Jesus, release me from my fear. Help me see you again. You are bigger than what I'm afraid of. Greater than what I'm intimidated by. I trust in you. And while you let God speak to you for a moment more, listen. If you're in the room, one of our physical locations or watching online, if you're not ready to believe anything yet about Jesus and the Bible, that's okay. Just come back next week. I encourage you to do that. I think you owe it to yourself to just come back and see what God can do in your life. But for some of you, maybe you know you're not ready for what comes next. And whether that's something dramatic like the end of the world or the end of your life, or you simply know you're not ready to live another day without Jesus. The good news is that you can begin a relationship with God today through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you believe he's the first and last, the one who died and is now alive forever, you can know God. I'm gonna lead us in prayer again. If that's you, wherever you are, and you wanna take that step, just whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. You can use my words if it helps you. Jesus, today I believe in you. You are leader and Lord of my life. I bring my sin to you, and I know you've already forgiven it. You died for me. I'm gonna live for you. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, count me in. I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. Will you lift your hand? Just hold it up boldly. Hold it up high. Yeah. And hocus and hold it up. Yes. 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 If you're online, let us know. Type the word faith in the chat, whatever platform you're on. You can put that hand down, but you'll have an opportunity in a moment to share that with us on a connect card. And I want to encourage you to do that. We want to help you grow. But for right now, come on, everybody, would you help me? Let's give the real Jesus all the praise and all the honor. Would you do that with me?